we're, we're proud that we brew in Philadelphia. We're proud that we brew in yards. Um, and you know, when there's, when you make, I say it jokingly, like on I'm sampling, like, look, we make one thing. So if you don't like it, like, it's just my life that depends on it, but it's kind of true. Like we make one thing, so it has to be like pretty, pretty good for us to make sure we, we stick with this for a while. Or I should say we make one thing currently is this, what I'll say. Podcast. I'm your host, Richie Tevlin, joined by Evan Blum and the founder owner of Kenwood uh, or Sarah Brewing. What do you want to call it? Sarah Beer Company. Sarah Beer Company, yeah. Matt Sarah, not to be confused with uh, the man who knocked out George St. Pierre in the first round. Yeah. UFC. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but welcome. Uh, I did not know that we knew each other beforehand uh, as a couple weeks ago when we set this up, but um, I guess we used to work together at Victory. Uh, we can kind of get into your past a little bit, but we overlapped a little bit there. Yeah, I, there's probably a tour that I took some accounts on at the one of the facilities. Parks, were you ever at Parksburg or Downingtown? It was probably at Parksburg when I would take accounts there to see, you know, the spectacle that Parksburg yeah. is. And you were probably either brewing or, you know, talking about the facility itself. So, yeah, I mean, talk about a beautiful place that Parksburg was awesome. And, you know, you had really well rounded brewers there that were able to talk about. The system, the beer, it was amazing. It was, a, it was fun, cool to take accounts there. It was, it was great. It was a little far, but... Definitely, definitely. <laughs> had to go there. I'll never forget, the day after the Eagles won the Super Bowl, I had to be there on a Monday morning at like 9 o'clock. So I lived on, in, on Christian Street and had to drive the hour and a half to Parksburg to meet with a wholesaler at 9 a.m. I'm sure that you're the only one driving away from the city. <laughs> there was not much traffic that day, that's for sure. Did the wholesaler show up? It was like a wholesaler like party, like everyone was there. Like it was like 40, 50 people, victory team, wholesaler team, and we were all like, you know, meeting. And then we started to drink at 12. I was like, I have to go. So I left by like one o'clock. It's free beer after the Super Bowl win. It was, yeah. Like, there was <laughs> one, there's come. one day I didn't want to drink, and it was after the Eagles won the Super Bowl because <laughs> there was plenty of drinking, you know, that entire night. So that's my Parksburg story, besides seeing you there. Nice. Well, uh, it's nice to finally meet you, I guess, again. Yeah, for sure. Um, so while you're really, while you, why you're really here, talk about Kenwood. Um, so. I looked about your resume a little bit. You basically, you have all the infinity stones of all the sales jobs yeah, uh, for beer in the city. You've worked at Penn, Mueller, Victory. Am I missing any? Yeah, Anheuser-Busch. Anheuser-Busch, yeah. So you've kind of seen it all. I think you're coming from a, from a different angle. So you own this brewery and you kind of came up through the sales route. So we just saw John. Uh, he's been at um, Philadelphia Brewing his whole career. And you kind of jumped around and kind of got to see all these different aspects. Yeah, I think so. Right. I, I know the beer side. I know the brewery side. I don't know it well that I could go to our brewery tomorrow and start brewing beer. Yeah. But, you know, what I know and what I love to do is sell and market beer and sell and market Kenwood now, especially. But when you're, you know, when you out of college, my first job was with Muller selling a craft portfolio in Philadelphia. And then from there, I went to Anheuser-Busch. And when you're with Anheuser-Busch, you know, they're the largest and, and best brewery in the world for a reason. They're amazing at everything they do. Marketing, selling, I mean, they, they give the reps, they treat reps really well. And, you know, you have a budget to spend on really cool things. Um, but, you know, it also helps when they send you to California for like to see Golden Road. Like that, that also helps with the sales incentives. <clears throat> so, you know, after there, I, w I went to Victory for a bit. 
And Victory is great because you get that, um, you know, regional brewery feel. Like they're not massive international yet, uh, but they're not small by any means. They've worked out a lot of the kinks that some of the young, the smaller people are still working out. And you realize how much more established they are than, you know, 90% of the breweries that you see in the market right now. So Victory, you know, amazing time there. And I left Victory to start start Kenwood. Um, but all experiences that I had from the time I left college to start this were like so important because you learn a little bit about each part of the beer world from wholesale to retail to supplier. And the most important thing you get is relationships, right? I've had relationships now with Kenwood that I've met when I was 20 years old. I was merchandising, hanging signs in Philadelphia um, and I still know those guys today. Yeah, I mean, you probably you know, have the same 10, 12 years later. In the last, you know, 10, 15 years. Yeah, because, you know, when businesses are good, they're going to be in business for the next 20 years from now. So I had those relationships when I was 20 that I didn't know I was building. But when I started Kenwood, I could call those guys and, you know, not ask for a favor, but tell them what I was doing. And they were fully supportive from day one. So the most important thing that you get when you start in the beer business is the relationships. So you Bar say. Name. You weren't planning on doing that, but every job you've had straight out of college has been in beer. Yeah. Was, that, was this Kenwood always the plan? Uh, no, it wasn't because I, I loved Anheuser-Busch. I loved working there. It was amazing. Um, so after Victory, when I was with when I was with Victory, I, they were doing a lot of things right. I, but I also thought like, you know, you have your, I was 27. I was like, yeah, I can do this. Like, how hard can it be? So you're, you know, you have a little naive, naivete. Um, you think you can do whatever. So welcome to my world. Yeah, yeah, you're, you'll be there soon. But no, in, in reality though, like you have to have a little bit of uh, you know numbness to it. So when you're when I was with Victory, they were marketing and selling and making new products. I remember seeing new products. I was like, yeah, that's I, that's what I would have done. Or no, that's a bad idea. Mm -hmm. And the things that would fail, you would be like, yeah, I knew that was gonna. Mm -hmm. So like you think you know it all. Head, like, yeah, you see it. You see what's working, and you're. You think you know it all, and then. You, I, I saw you see a void in the market for something like this, and you're like, well, I'm not going to tell my company to do this, or they might not even listen to me if I do, so I'm just going to go and do it myself. And again, you start a company, and you're like, how hard can it be? How much money do you need? You know, you figure it out as you go. Then as you go, you realize it's hard. You need a lot of money. You need a lot of supporters. But, you know, you grow, and, and you sell more beer each month, each year, and it becomes a real thing where... You go to a store or you go to a tailgate and people are drinking it and they're like, damn, that's, I forgot. Like I started that out of like my brain, but it, it's yeah. cool. It, it's, it's cool to see. When did Kenwood start? Because I feel like for me, it kind of exploded onto the scene pretty it, rapidly. Based on your LinkedIn, I mean, it started six months after you left Victory. Yeah, Is well, that... <laughs> so we, like we started talking about it in 2019 when okay. I was with Victory. So I quit Victory you because we, you and me and my brother okay. Mike and and my first partner JP and your uh, your John O'Connor also yeah and okay. me John O'Connor and, and my brother Mike and we have some new investors that we can get into as cool. well um, but we uh, we talked about it in 2019 and as we were starting the conversations it was just so unethical to have these conversations as I was with Victory so I quit Victory because I couldn't like in good conscience start conversations of starting a brewery. While working for you a gotta band. put it behind you. Half, like, yeah, you have, you have to just cut it off. Now, Kenwood. Now, like you can't be building this as you're trying to build victory. In your yeah, head. yeah, just, and it didn't feel right. So, like we started talking about it in 2019. We brewed a little bit in 2019 at Doylestown Brewing Company. Uh, they were amazing. It was uh, Joe Modestine. He had Doylestown Brewing Company, and we brewed like seven barrel batches. 
We get like 14 kegs, or we get like 100 cases, and we just sell them to local bars. And it was cool. You know, it wasn't like a thing. We just thought, okay, if we can do this, we have to try now. So then what it came to was March of 2020. Not only did the pandemic start to, um, you know, take focus, we had our first batch of, you know, real beer and start to try to make this thing a company. So we moved all of our production to Mainstay on Delaware Ave. Uh, Brian O'Reilly's the brewer there. Amazing brewer, amazing facility. And we were like gung-ho about finally starting this company. And our first truck came into our our, our wholesale or our um, warehouse on March 20th of 2020. And we had all this beer and we were like, damn, what do we do? You know, because we, you know, we didn't have anything. We, it was our first time like going to market with this beer. We didn't have 15 packs yet. We had some kegs and some like loose six packs. And we were like, all right, we'll figure it out. And you know, 2020 was like, everything that happened that year was just different than everything from the past and everything I in mean, the future. We'll back, you know, like we saw what happened, but starting from March, 2020, you could have never known, you know, how that would have worked no out idea. as far as how beer was going to be sold, you know, takeaways from bars, right. all this other stuff. So like we got rid of the beer that we had, we sold it. And like, we were officially like selling Kenwood. Um, but you know, I always say our first full year was 2021 because that was when we had packaging in the market. We had a full year of like, we, we knew what we're doing. Um, and it was, it wasn't post pandemic, but it was post 2020 where people were actually, you know, out a little bit more. Mm -hmm. Um, so yeah, 2021 was our first full year in, in business really. So who is, you said you're a distributor. Do you have a wholesale distributor? Yeah. Our wholesaler in Eastern PA is Stockertown beverage. Okay. They're great. Um, they, yeah, they were like the first to approach us. One of the first to approach us when we were just self distributing. Um, and you know, they noticed that we had some stacks in the market and we were selling a, a decent when amount did that of beer. Take over? That was in 2021, 2021, no, 2020, um, man. Like how, how, how quick was the transition from self distributing to wholesale? Beginning of 2021, we were self D by the end of 21, we had a wholesale. Okay. So we signed with them at the end of 2021. Um, and yeah, they were the first, one of the first to approach us and be like, look, uh, we see what you're doing. They sell more 15 packs than anybody because they sell founders all day. So when we had that kind of consistency with them and selling 15 packs, it was a good fit and I, they're big, you know, they sell a lot of beer. All right. So I know, you know what the difference between 12 and 15 pack is, but these have been, you know, big in the market recently. Can you speak a little bit on, you know, why? 15 packs are now in the market as opposed to 12 packs? Yeah, yeah, because grocery stores, the largest format you can take out of a grocery store is a 15 pack. So that's um, like what, 128 ounces or something? That yeah, 100, to sell? 180 ounces. 180 ounces, wherever that number came from, and 12 ounce, 12 can packs were less than that. So yep. it was maximizing consumer what, value. Yeah, what you can take out of the grocery store. And you see the Anheuser-Busch's and Miller Coors of the world, they have 15 packs in the PA supermarkets. Yeah. They don't have that elsewhere because they don't need it. Yeah. But in PA supermarkets, it makes a lot of sense. So, you know, as we expand to other markets, we've looked at 12 packs because every other, everywhere else, a 12 pack is just kind of what people get. Um, but for PA, the 15 pack still makes sense. Um, again, when so you only have 15 packs right now, we have 15 packs. We have uh, wrapped six packs of yeah. packs that are like the cartons. Uh, and then we have, you know, just loose six packs sure. on, the, on the pack tech. Yeah. yeah. And then kegs. We okay. sell a lot of kegs because um, A, it's where Kenwood tastes the best. And B, it's where, you know, you get the most bang for your buck from, every, you know, from every level of, of the wholesale um, mm -hmm. footprint. Yeah. Um, I saw that. So you have worked at Muir, you have worked at Penn, Anheuser-Busch, but you've always been in the craft segment. 
Is that yeah? Was that kind of weird to work at these larger companies? Like, what well, what do you think the difference was working at Anheuser Busch for Bud Light as opposed to Anheuser Busch? And what what did you do for the craft segment there? Yeah, so for Anheuser Busch, I actually did both. My first role, I was selling the Ultra Stella Budweiser Bud Light, yeah, and that was like a blast. Like, you did activations where you were just like giving out t-shirts and big throwing big events it was so much fun um and then with the craft portfolio it was about like gaining new placements okay right because when anheuser-busch was you know getting their craft portfolio to the level that they wanted it to um they still needed to get new drafts placements new package placements so it was it was weird because it was like they're the biggest brewer in the world but not everyone knows their craft portfolio where everyone knows the bud light and budweiser so Bud Light and Budweiser, you weren't getting new placements. You were... Yeah, everybody, 12-year-olds have heard of Bud Light, you know? Mm-hmm. You're not every, yeah, you can go to any bar and they'll know what Budweiser is. So you were really... It was about, like, growing the brand and seeing how you could get someone to buy from 100 cases to 200 cases. So that was really cool. And again, it was a lot of fun, and you had a budget to do really cool and fun things. Um, Real quick, what were some of the brands, like, part of that craft portfolio? It was Golden Road from L.A., um, Devil's Backbone from Virginia. Yeah. Uh, I mean, these people all make amazing beer too, which yeah. is which is crazy because you don't see them as much anymore. Shock Top, believe it or not, which yeah. it, it was brewed like it on the package of Shock Top. It said like Michelob Ultra Brewery. So who knows? <laughs> but it was give you a stomach ache. It was yeah. It was part of the craft portfolio. Uh, Goose Island, which was like their baby. Goose IPA was everywhere. And there was a couple more, like um, and Goose Blue Island Point. had the taproom at that point, right? They did, yeah. So did you guys do a lot of events there? No, honestly, I went to Chicago more than I went to the Philadelphia <laughs> okay, taproom. Well, so they flew us to Chicago like two or three times because, like, you know, I, I think it still goes like when you were to learn about a brand like that, it helps to be like in their neighborhood. So you know, we'd go to Chicago, see their bower bower room. It was amazing. Um, but to learn about like Goose Island, it helped to be like in Chicago for sure. I'm and sure I think that's goes for any makes it feel like that, but you don't actually get the feel unless you're actually in Chicago. Yeah, exactly. And that tap room was gorgeous. You know, it's not there anymore, or it is there, but under a different brand. But that that place was gorgeous, and they did an amazing job. Uh, but for whatever reason, I guess it didn't translate well Goose Island to here. Who knows why? Um, but yeah, Goose Island was the number one. Dev, Devil's Backbone, Blue Point, Golden Road, and there's a couple more. But they, those those were the main the main players. Were you there when uh, they bought Kona. No, I wish. Because I, growing, growing up, up, like Kona was my favorite beer. And then Kona's all awesome. Sudden, all of a sudden, now you, it's blown up more than anything I've ever seen. And I, I'm on, I'm on the Kona train. So, dude, Kona Big Wave <laughs> is Kona Big Wave is great, and I think they've like really just done away with focusing on anything else besides Big Wave because it has this like trajectory that's amazing right now. Mm-hmm. And the wholesaler does a great job with that. Um, but yeah, they blew up with with Big Wave. Mm-hmm. Would have been nice to win the incentive trip to Hawaii, but they took me. To, they took me to LA, so LA was amazing as well. Um, but yeah, and I was a Bush. Like, uh, you know, a lot of people talk bad about their business and and how they are trying to crush craft breweries, I guess. But at the end of the day, they treat their employees well. You know, like it was an amazing company to work for, and that's where I thought I'd be for a while. And you know, everything happens for a reason, though. That's why now we have Kenwood and hope to make this the next. Budweiser Definitely. is the goal. So these, so Kenwood came out. Um, we'll talk. I hate talking about names of beers, but do you, can you talk on the name of Kenwood a little bit? Yeah, it's it's super super simple. Uh, Kenwood is the first street I lived on when I was a kid. 
in uh, Delaware County, Drexel Hill. Um, and you know, no one, no one knows or cares about the street name, but it sounds good and it's memorable. Yeah. I so know what Kenwood is, it's like easy to remember. Yeah, it's it's easy to, to remember. And we, and, um, I talk about this often. One of my favorite entrepreneurs is Sarah Blakely. She started Spanx. Yep. She's great. And she always talked about having a hard K sound in your, in your name, yep. like a Kit Kat or McDonald's, Burger King, um, makes it more memorable. So we like that. And there was a few names, but it wasn't like this long process of listing like a hundred names. It was like, yeah, this works. And then it shortens to Kenny and the grab a Kenny tagline was, was pretty like attractive. Yeah. Yeah. And again, it's attractive. It's easy. And like, will that be our tagline forever? No, I think they evolve and they grow. But to start to say grab a Kenny was very easy and people, you know, people named Kenny like love it. So you have like this little <laughs> added attraction to it. Um, but it's an easy tagline and, and it shortens Kenwood to Kenny. So you can have some Kenny's, have a Kenwood, whatever. Um, but the name and that's why we have the street signs on the thing you know it's it's it all you kind of can dive more into it and be like everyone has their street side everyone has their quarter and like you make everyone's beer yeah, so your tap handles are the street signs yeah we yeah. just had john on he had the pencils and we were talking about that like, <laughs> yeah, this is like yeah, just yeah. memorable like, i see it i'm like yeah. that's kenwood right there yeah so we just had these newly designed tap handles that got into the market last month nice. but they're literally street signs and they say mm -hmm. kenwood original yeah, on awesome. ellie's sign they look amazing um part of the marketing company that we use to rebrand came up with those and they took like 11 months to to land but after they were here it made us very happy we hope to be able to personalize them as well so if you're at nice if you're at Kellyanne's, yeah, cool. you can put 16th and spring garden yeah. on cool. on on the actual tap handle and when you can do that and customize it you know, that travels in Philly and New York and Maryland. Like, you can go anywhere with that, Definitely. which which I think is a, is a cool aspect as we try to make this everyone's beer, you know? Mm -hmm. I mean, th the mind that you have of kind of like the Kenny, the Kenwood, the colors of this are just like very, they're catching, but they're like not, you don't get tired of them. It's like, yeah. I mean, you clearly know what you're doing. You've clearly picked up some stuff along the way. Yeah, yeah. And so, like, when we started, it was all like we had this idea and we, we kind of had... A girl that we knew from the neighborhoods, we spent $75 on the original logo. We're like, yeah, this is cool. This works. Let's go to market with it. Had cans designed and all of that. But like, we had the idea and the scheme of everything. With this updated logo and the updated um, graphics and, and packaging, we used the company in Pittsburgh um, that I've mentioned. They, they worked with Iron... Iron City Brewing, yeah. and they did an amazing job with the rebrand. I mean, they yeah, awesome. they elevated everything from like you could tell it was me with like uh, you know my computer <laughs> to be like okay, you can tell it was these guys that do this, no, this all like day every brand. day. This is it's awesome looking. Yeah, that's what we wanted to make it. Like you can you know you could see this somewhere in California and be like you know it's your everyday beer that I can drink ten of and and you know it could be from Cali or it could be from from Philly and that's what I think they did a really nice job with. Um, and again, like they took this to a level that you need to have some expertise for. Mm -hmm. So they, we were super, super happy working with them. And, uh, you know, they, they did a killer job. Cool. So we've talked about a lot of things. We have not talked about the beer yet. Um, <laughs> so the beer is Tends great. to happen with us, yeah. yeah. Exactly. <laughs> we just get rolling. Um, so one, I guess you wanted kind of this was your idea to come up with like a white lager like yeah. this from the beginning. Um are there aspects of it that like you knew you wanted? I mean, it's 4.1%. To me, that stands out. Mm -hmm. um, it definitely has, when I taste it, I don't, I don't 
how I'm tasting is like a softer alkaline taste, almost like a Michelob Ultra kind of tastes like that, where it's like a softer light beer flavor. I'm not sure, you know, if that's what you're going for, but yeah, I, I no, like it a lot. It's, it's, it, it, you know, I think so. The only thing that we cared about when we first started was brewing it with rice. Okay. And that was a conscious effort because when we had this idea, there was not as many of these craft light lagers on the market. Yeah. yeah. Um, in recent years, we've seen this segment like explode um, in a good way. You know, co- com- competition's really good um, for any company. So when we had this idea, we said, all right, let's brew a craft light lager with rice, like some of the Macro beers, but brew it on a, you know, on a craft level scale. So you have the higher quality pops, higher quality everything, right? You're never going to purchase ingredients like a macro brewery. Mm-hmm. So you might as well purchase better ingredients on a small scale and have that kind of familiar taste like like a beer that everyone loves. Yeah, and have like total control over it. You're kind of seeing every batch that goes through. Oh, yeah, for sure. So we, we wanted it to be brewed with rice. And like you said, it has like a super crisp, soft yeah. taste to it that, we you know, the drinkability where it was coined by Miller Coors. <laughs> but if there's no drinkability to a beer like this, you know, there's no use in having. Definitely. Right? Because some of these higher ABV IPAs you have, yeah, there really isn't drinkability. But when you're paying $10 and you're drinking one or two, it's not that important. But our whole goal for this is volume. And, you know, it's 4.1. We want it to be drinkable. But we always say we want it to be better than any other light lager on the market. Like, that's super, super important. Having a high-quality beer, um, it's it's really important. It sounds silly because, you know, a lot of lot of this is a marketing thing. But if the beer isn't good, then you can be the best marketers in the world, but no one's going to come back to it. Yeah, especially something like this where it's, like, it's consistently good every time. Yeah, and that's a, we attribute a lot of that to Yards where we brew the beer now. Um, they're so consistent. You know, they have a world-class facility there. Like, they test every batch. They have the color. They have the ABZ. They have everything there yeah. that we know each batch coming out is going to be the same. And when you know you have a consistent beer that is, you know, that tastes good and it is all the specs you want to hit, that's super important. Um, you know, as I've mentioned, like, there's a lot of breweries out there now. And some aren't great and they have low quality standards. And it's not their fault, typically. They just don't have the means of production to make it a high quality brew. So we're super proud that we brew at Yards because they have a high quality standard. And, you know, every batch that comes out of there is super consistent and... Um, you know, we can count on it to, to last well. Yeah, it's cool. It. I mean, it's the local, you know, light lager, and it's coming out of the Philadelphia, you know, craft brewery. Yeah, you know? yeah. I mean, Yards has been around for 30 years now, um, so they've done something right yeah, in, wow. in the 30 years that they're still here. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Because uh, we've, we've all seen breweries close and, and not make it. So, um, you know, we're, we're proud that we brew in Philadelphia. We're proud that we brew in Yards. Um, and, you know, when, there's, when you make, I said jokingly, like on a sampling, like, look, we make one thing, so if you don't like it, like, it's just my life that depends on it. But it's kind of true. Like, we make one thing, so it has to be, like, pretty, pretty good for us to make sure we, we stick with this for a while. Or I should say we make one thing currently is yes. what I'll say. Yeah, we'll get into that in a second. I want to talk about the footprint a little bit. Um, yeah. So your footprint is what? You guys are in yeah, so we're in New Jersey, Delaware? Yes. So 28 counties in eastern PA. Okay. So Harrisburg. East, yeah, yeah. Um, all the way up north, and then we're in New Jersey. Technically, we're in the whole state, but we're self-distributing ourselves in New Jersey. Yeah, uh, so we're just over the bridge now and working our way up the state. Um, 
South Jersey, we still call East Philly because we know a lot of our drinkers are drinking it in Philadelphia and then sure. going over the bridge and finding their six packs and six packs. Clientele. Same clientele. Um, and then we are in Maryland. Um, we started in Baltimore. We have a couple of accounts there, and then we're going to try to grow from Baltimore. We think uh, if we can find markets similar to Philly, like not not Pennsylvania, but like Philly with mm-hmm. a can you know a, a super dense market with good beer bars and good beer stores, that's what we want to attack first. And Baltimore is a nice market, um, a lot of really good bars. So if we can do that in Baltimore. Travel up North I Jersey and hit that. Very similar to Philly, the bar scene there. Yeah, it is. It is, and and like um, you know, this beer it needs to be found by people that want something different in in their light lager, right? Definitely. It's hard to go to a bar with Coors Light, Miller Light, um, Bud Light, and then Ultra Peroni Modelo. This like because you no one's gonna drink this of their light option. Because those drinkers have their late option that they've been drinking forever. Yeah, and we're seeing, you know, some people are trying to switch off, but like, you know, we have the seltzers, we have like the iced teas, but a lot of people just don't like those, or they're just yeah, not, yeah, they want beer, you know, they want beer, but they yes. want something different than yeah. You know, the, and we would, like we always say if we we, we want to be a step above the domestic lights, right? We yeah. don't want to be Bud Light or Miller Light because that's a space you don't want to play in. Um, but there's so many bars that'll never pour one of those beers, so. Um, we have so many bars in Philadelphia that we're just the light lager option. And it helps that it's a craft, high-quality light lager um, because they're never going to pour something like Bud or Miller, but this fits really nicely into into their tap, tap list. Yeah, I think of something like almost PBR, where PBR is it's essentially just a brand that Miller brews at this point, yeah. but it's different than what you would think of the four you know main light lagers are. Yeah, some people get it because it's you know like a little bit different, but this is essentially almost PBR, but it's Philadelphia PBR. Yeah, you know, it's not, not coming from the Midwest. Yeah, it's, I guess we always say like it's, it's weird though, like because PBR or um, like Schlitz or, or Ham, yeah. like they're associated with like a low um, it is. price, it's low which is which, like that. And no, no, but I know what you're saying in that like um, if you can be not the three macro domestic brews yourself yeah exactly yeah. and that's what we say like we don't want to be in that bucket of domestic brews that's a weird place to be and our beer is a you know it's a it's a step above that so if we can be in the place there you're there and you let everyone know like look you don't have to carry miller or bud light you can carry this that's supposed to be just as happy yeah it's a little bit better it's or more happy you know they're drinking philly they're drinking exactly. local yeah i mean the whole point of the company when we start is like we want to find the bars where someone goes in and asks for a miller light and they're like, no, we don't have Miller Lite, but we have Kenwood. It's like a better version of a, a, a yeah, a Kenny, a Kenny. And that's what we've seen. You know, that's what we've seen the bars in Philly. You know, some just take and run with that we've had on tap for a year or two years. Um, they don't care for anything that's domestic or, or macro produced. They want a quality craft light lager, and we fit the bill pretty well. Download the Let's Rally app to find fun and random things to do in and around Philly. Let's Rally plans your day or night for you. Just tell the app how many people you have at your party and how far you're willing to go. You can also add filters like bars, experiences, and food, and the app will create a plan for you instantly. Unthink the day and download Let's Rally. What's been uh, the hardest challenge of crossing state lines when you guys expanded? So, you you're know... so good with the audience and Philly. It's interesting. And- like, as you get into New Jersey... There's so many drinkers that are drinking in Philly and they live in New Jersey. So we've gotten those. Mm-hmm. But you have to remember there's so many drinkers in Jersey that do not come to Philly. You know, or they come to Philly, 
you know, less frequently than we'd hope. Mm -hmm. So you're really launching a new market and you have to dive into that market and learn more about Jersey drinkers. Where do they drink? What bars are they at? You know, where do they, like, where do they shop? Like, what, what's their favorite pizza place? When we launched Philly, we'd go to like pizza places and give out beer, even if it's on a bar, we give out free beer to the cool pizza places. Mm -hmm. So like, you have to do that. You kind of have to start all over in these new territories because you have to learn about the drinker and you have to get in that drinker's hand. So are there any weird laws in New Jersey? I know they have the weird laws as far as breweries go, but as far as distributing there, is there weird stuff? Um, no, not that we know us. I mean, it could be. <laughs> I'll, I'll stop asking questions. <laughs> yeah, we're not going to talk about it. Um, no, no, it's it's pretty simple, pretty straightforward. Um, but you know, it's weird. Like the beer stores in New Jersey. They're more concerned, I shouldn't say beer stores, the liquor stores, they're more concerned about liquor, wine, than beer is the third option, right? Mm. Because all of the margin is made on yeah. liquor and wine. So beer, if you get into the sets in New Jersey, they're much smaller than the sets in, in Philly because they don't need as much beer there. So you tend to pull a little bit better in the New Jersey stores. It's just about getting in, getting into those and, you spots. Know, I mean, you guys are in bars mostly, I guess, but uh, yeah. you guys, whatnot, then in beer distributors, uh, uh, What's it called? Grocery stores? Like in what? Philly? Yeah. 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 So we're in Whole Foods, okay, Giant, cool. Acme, McCaffrey's for the McCaffrey's fans. <laughs> and um, can't crack Wegmans yet. So we'll, we'll get to Wegmans, but <laughs> all of the other spots and obviously all the beer distributors, yeah. a lot of bars that, we, that we're really tight with. Um, and GoPuff. GoPuff's nice. go from Quinto. Mm -hmm. But yeah, it's weird. Like the, the landscape in Philly you know, when you know it and grow up in it and, you know, you sell into it, it becomes like second nature. Sure. But as you go over the bridge and you go to Maryland, it's a different ball game. You know, there's a lot of different, different clientele, different stores. And when beer is the third option, unlike Pennsylvania, it becomes, it becomes tusk, you know, but you find the spots and, um, you know, you try to grow organically like we did in Philly, like we're doing in Philly. Mm -hmm. Nice. So what, I guess, uh, I know you want to talk about what you have in the future, but like, what's is there another expansion in the future? You guys are focusing just on kind of the market that you're in right now. Yeah, so you know, we want to get to Delaware because it's it's right there. It's right there. It makes sense. It's there's a million people there. You know, it's it's not a huge population. Yeah. Um, and what controls Delaware is total wine. So if you get into total wine, you have distribution, right? Cool. So we want to go to Delaware. We want to continue to expand Maryland and expand New Jersey. Um, but, you know, we always say, like, we're never super scared to go to any market, right? Like, if someone in a wholesaler in New York or a wholesaler in uh, D.C. said they would carry Kenwood, we would go there. Because we say, like, we're proud that we're brewed in Philly, but we're not a Philly brand, right? It doesn't say Philadelphia that beer. It's just, you it's, said it could be anywhere. Kenwood is just like the crossroads yeah, of anywhere. It's a brand mm -hmm. that we want to be able to travel. So, um, we definitely want to be Delaware, Maryland, Jersey, PA, and then... You know, by the end of the year, if we're in New York and D.C. and, and Virginia, great, because we think there's there's room to find the same bars that we're finding in Philly in those places as well. Nice. So I want to hear this. What is next for Kenwood, Sarah Brewing? Like, what what's the next beer? Yeah, so we always say, like, Kenwood has a, a drinker that we want to attach to. Like, they want to have a few of these They'll be at a bar and they want to spend on like four or five pints. We don't ever want to get into making Kenwood a beer that is a 9% hazy IPA. 
because we that's a, there's a space for that for sure. It's a very different customer. Very different customer. So like Kenwood, we know our customer, right? So if we're gonna if we're gonna offshoot Kenwood or if we're going to make a variant of Kenwood, we want it to be with like a fun flavor that is dependent on drinking, you know, a volume point. Yeah. again, like yep. a twelve pack or a fifteen. Yeah. So something like a Kenwood with lime or a Kenwood shandy is where nice. we want to be, right? Mm -hmm. Where it's super attractive and and super. Um, you know, fun in that same climate that this is in, where you can have it at the beach or you can have it at a restaurant that, you know, isn't going to serve, um, you know, low quality beer. So we're looking down the path of the something with like a fruit, fruit variant. Nice. We think that'd be really fun to put alongside Kentwood. Um, so for the Kenwood name, that's where we want to go. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, there's always the Sarah Beer Company name where we can release another brand that is a hazy IPA or something, but that's probably a little further down the cool. road. Make a whole other like section of brands and beers that, yeah. that, are, that are a little bit different than the Kenwood drinker. Because, you know, as everyone knows, that ha hazy IPA segment is, it's hot. Like there's, there's bars that go through two kegs of like one hazy IPA per week. So if you can hit that right as well and have this, you're in a really, really good spot. Yeah, but you guys kind of find found a lane, and you know you guys are clearly doing well at it. So, yeah, expand on that a little bit. Yeah, can, yeah, right. Continuing to try to play in this lane is is what we want to do. Um, and again, like Kenwood has so much room to grow. Like mm -hmm. just scratching the surface. I mean, I guess you always think you're just scratching the surface. Like we always want to grow and continually evolve this brand. Um, but you know, when we're at a spot where we think Kenwood is doing well, we can grow while adding another brand. That's what we want to do. Um, because again, like if, if you have just one, it's great. And you have this laser focus, but if you have two and they're side by side, they support each other, always the, the and especially if there's packs stacked up next to each other at retail, if you go to a grocery store and say we have two, like it's just more attractive. Definitely. So we're looking down that road. We really hope to have that in the market, um, this year, but you know, if we don't, and we continue on with Kenwood by itself, don't be surprised because you know a laser focus on one beer, it's uh, sometimes it's frustrating, but sometimes it's super rewarding. Like I mean, I think we only made one thing yeah, our whole career. I think there's, there's a lot of people that we'll have on here. You know, they're just straight craft beer people, or you have experience with Anheuser Busch, and like like you said, it's much different, but it it's a lot of fun in its own right. You know, it's like and but you kind of have seen the other side of it, just like focusing on. A couple different things and kind of just going all in on it yeah and it's interesting like um this as i said the craft light lager space is getting more crowded but it's still not as crowded as that like ipa or hazy space yeah. mm -hmm. um because you know that every brewery that exists right now is brewing a hazy ipa or at yeah. least at least one and that's okay again it's good it's a money maker it's a profit margin it all makes sense um, but not a lot of people are bringing their light lager to the market. So there's plenty of breweries that brew a light lager or brew a craft lager, and they'll keep it in their tap room or they'll use it for like you know in-house stuff, but they won't release it to the market. Um, so there's less competition there right now. And you know if you could run and be like that preferred craft lager, preferred craft light lager, you can do some damage in in, in the market and around the. Yeah, the nine percent beers are great, but if you're going to a bar. You can't just teleport home. You have to get home somehow. So, you know, like if you drink three 9% beers, yeah. what are you going to drive yourself home? Like right. you're going to want something a little bit lower than that. Or tailgate. I mean, like exactly. during a, the Eagles game, like you're grabbing one of these. Yeah, yeah. IPA we've we, we've, we've honed in on that market because um, 
you know, like God, the amount of Miller lights you'll see in Eagles tailgate is enough to to drown to drown the entire city. Um, so you know, if you if you can get into that, like, yeah, you you want to be that like light lager that's a little different than than some of those beers. But yeah, I mean, there's a lot to be said about why Miller Light and Bud Light are two of the best selling beers ever. Yeah, a lot of it's marketing, a lot of it's the quality, but a lot of it it just because it's a drinkable light beer and you know and you need that sometimes people are looking for an experience the same way they're looking for an experience when they're looking for a uh, unique craft beer yeah. some people are looking for the experience of this light lager that they've had a hundred times and they want to have again just have the same experience that they had you know the last time they went to the bar the last time they went to a tailgate yeah it's funny we we talk about that a lot right because we don't really do a lot of samplings with this beer um, because it's different than your typical breweries, right? Yeah. Like what we want to do with this is show them a good time when they're drinking the beer, Definitely. right? So they have the experience with it. So if you, we go to tailgates and, and if it's the best tailgate they've ever been to, then they're drinking Kenwood and that's how they remember us. Um, if they're at a bar and we're buying rounds during a football game, that's how they're going to remember us, right? So like we're about marketing in a little bit of a different way. We focus on the on-premise first. We focus on the bars. Is focus on getting the whole beer in people's hands mm -hmm. um, instead of giving them a two-ounce sample and hoping they like it. Again, that's a great model for a lot of people, but we don't think that's for us. We want to make sure that if you see us at a bar and we buy you a beer, you have a 16-ounce pint, you're watching the Eagles, and you're drinking that for the rest of the night having a great time. And that's how you'll, we want people to remember Kenwood as the experiential beer, right? Nice. Not as not as the one or two pints at the end of the Definitely. night. Yeah. Um, because that's what you have to do with a beer like this. You know, yeah. mono mono brand, um, you know, lifestyle brand, I guess sometimes you could call it, but you know, that's a tricky, tricky thing to play <laughs> with sometimes. But yeah, it's about the experience with Kenwood. The experience and also I mean what drew me to you guys from the beginning was the marketing. Like you're Obviously, the can and the graphics and the tap handles are cool, but your social media is amazing. I mean, you have a champion sweatshirt right now that's like amazing. You got it's you our best seller. A, a oh, winter awesome. jacket. It was <laughs> yeah. like branded. It was like yeah. I've never seen beer merchandise like this before. Yeah, this uh, this thing we we you know you never know like we always jerked about we we're like a merch company that sold beer something. <laughs> Because like we put things out like this and they sell out like I mean, super cool. super Even if you don't fast. Drink beer, that's a very cool. Yeah, that's well, what we said. Our best selling items like had nothing to do with Kenwood. It was just like it's a champion hood sweatshirt, <laughs> yeah, so yeah. people want it. Um, but yeah, we always like. But in reality, we say we're a marketing company that sells beer yeah. because if we can't market correctly, then we're nothing, you know. Um, because the beer is great, and but we don't have anywhere to invite people. We don't have a tap room. We can't bring you in to to show off. We have one thing, so we can't be your hazy That's what you say, like Your experience thing. Your experience is not the tap room. Your experience is going out and actually drinking it, and then seeing it in the marketplace, seeing yeah. it out in public, and like this would essentially be your. Tap this room is our market. Yeah, yeah. Market. And look, trust me. There's <clears throat> ten times a week. I wish we had a tap room to invite people back to. Yeah. Right, but it, you know, it, it makes you get creative. It makes you. Mm -hmm go to your bars and we tell our retail partners our, our best bars like look we can't send people to our tap room to drink our beer so we're going to send them here we're going to have our lunch meeting here we're going to have our dinner parties here yeah so it'll, our tap room. yeah literally what i what i verbatim what i said <laughs> to a lot of bars so that's also good because when you're spending money and you're supporting these bars um they tend to support you back and yeah look we've, we've gotten burned a few times where you spend 
a decent amount of money at a partner bar and then they take you off of tap. So that's what you, you always deal with that. Um, but for the most part, a lot of people in this business, if you have a strong relationship, they're, they're not going to take you off. Yeah, they recognize, you know, the quality, the uniqueness, the, you know, yeah, the and, consistency. It's, it's and all it, there. And it pulls and it makes the money. And then when they see guys that started the company there eating lunch or eating dinner, Definitely. like okay. they, they really like that. So, you know, not having a tap room really is unfortunate sometimes, but it allows us to go eat dinner at North Third up the street here and buy beer and, and you know, hang out and show up. Is there, there's no plans for that in the future? There, it's, there's always like a back and forth because it's, yeah, it's because again, like you, you talk about it all the time. Like, Dan, if we had a tap room, this would be great because a tap room for us, we would bring in beers around Pennsylvania, right? Because with a tap room, you can pour Pennsylvania brewed beers. So we'd have a yard silly pale ale. We'd have a wrong crowd beer. You have a mainstay beer. Mm -hmm. So we'd have a different kind of tap room where we make it a PA kind of place um, with a Kenwood branding on it. So there's always talk about it. I think it'd be really, really cool to do. Um, but you know, as everyone knows, tap rooms and restaurants are, they're expensive. It's a of the beast. And the same thing that you're saying, like restaurant you don't want business. to go over to a 9% hazy IPA, you're kind of staying in your lane. Going in the restaurant business is a whole different type of business than the beer sales business. Yep. It's, you need a restaurant tour. You need uh, staff. You need a kitchen. You need, you know, all those yeah, things. Like nonstop. That's not. Constantly needs attention. We started this to be sales, marketing, distribution, and yeah, a little bit of beer making. Yeah. Uh, really, it's about being, getting beer to people, you yeah, know. Facilitating the fun. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So once you can, you know, if there's a space to bring people in, like you have to be ready for it. You can't just kind of tiptoe into that. Definitely. You have to have like a full plan with a full staff, a good, good chef and those things that. Yeah, we, I think, uh, who was it? Two Robbers just did that. So they were essentially contract brewing out of, I guess they were probably out of yards. I'm not sure where they're doing it now, but they just started up their tap room and, you know, it is doing well, but I, I talked to the owners and, you know, they're like, this is like a whole nother monster that we didn't, you know. I guess yeah, I, I do. That would be like that much work, and like it's doing great, but it's just it's a whole nother another thing. Yeah, and that place was amazing, and they're in like the best quarter of Fishtown oh, yeah, you, yeah. you you could pick. So like, not only do you have to have a great restaurant and great concept and good style, like you need a good location. Yep. So for them, they land that on a great location. But if you end up like not being able to find a good location, or you think you have a good location, and it ends up being like kind of a dog. Then what do you do? You're, you're stuck there. You have to market, and then you're marketing a restaurant instead of marketing your beer. Definitely. And that's it's hard to do, man. So kudos to people that have these like booming tap rooms. Like it's very, very cool. Um, but maybe they aren't as strong in their route to market. But they yeah. have this, this awesome tap room to do both well, as some breweries do, like a Trogues or, or a Victory. Super, super impressive. Like that's that's two two businesses that you have like just pumping out a lot of product. It's, it's really cool to see. Yeah. Right, let's talk about your social media a little bit. Yeah. So anything about Kenwood, like it is eye catching. I mean, I, I, I think I told you earlier, but when I was in college or like graduating college, like this, I wish this was around because I know this is the beer I would be bringing back to all my friends. And I think it's just, the look is awesome. There's something about the vibe of it that just, really resonates with a lot of people yeah like the consistency of the beer but also the consistency of the brand yeah. it's like all these things are different things but they all look the same essentially yeah it's so important like if you don't have that consistent branding and we had a call about this earlier like 
if we have a billboard, it needs to be the same as our social media posts, which needs to be the same as our signage at the beer distributor, which needs to be the same as our merchandise, right? Because if you see my, our merchandise and then you see a billboard and you're not connecting the two, yep. then you're, you know, you're just wasting your time. You're wasting your money. Or like, like this, this is a lot of that's high on your, yeah, that's, yeah, right. Of course. And, and like, obviously billboards are expensive, so you're going to spend money on that. But if you're not spending money on your merch and on your signage, then like it just looks like not there's no consistency there. Yeah. So like with our marketing again, as I've talked about, the company Top Hat that we worked with yeah. to revamp our marketing and, and our branding was really important because they gave us the assets to do so. Um, you know, as I've said, like when you start this thing and you have social media, it's just like you and your phone. You're hoping to catch some attention, and that's really hard. It goes a little bit, but it gets to a point where. Everyone knows, like, okay, this is just like Matt. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> and you have to get, like, you have to get out of that stage. Um, so you get to a point where it's, uh, you know, kind of professionalized and you're using people that do it for a living. And when you get to that point, as long as you have the assets and the branding that you know, you know, you can look at your page and look at your grid and it's all lined up, you can have a really strong presence. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, the grid is like, you look through it and it's like, you scroll through it and it's just like, even if there's pictures in there, kind of everything blends together. It looks yeah, awesome. same color, same exactly. consistency, same tone. And that's really important. I harp on it a lot. Um, we, we work for the PR company who is amazing. Uh, ARA agency. They're, yeah. they're great. And, you know, I, I talked to her a lot about our tone, like, you know, tone to be consistent because, you know, it's the first thing people look at. They say, they see a shirt, they see our beer, it's on tap on a menu, and they look up Kenwood, they're, maybe they'll Google it, but more likely they're going to go on Instagram or Twitter mm -hmm. and look to see is, how, do I follow this beer? Do any of my friends follow this beer? Especially because you're selling this consistent experiential beer. You yeah, know, like right. A craft brewery that might put out these weird, crazy beers, they want to be different. They're kind of showing off, but you're showing like, I'm giving you the same consistent. It's one thing. It's always one thing. Yeah. So with, with that, you know, we can, we try to be consistent. And then like our Twitter is a little bit different. Our Twitter tries to be thought and interactive and Let your hair down a little bit. You know, seriously. <laughs> and, but I think that's okay. Like, um, Twitter, they're supposed to be, Wild West, yeah, it's anyway. still, a, there's supposed to be this back and forth where yeah. pretty pictures don't matter. Right. Yeah. You're talking to a guy who, might not even exist really. <laughs> yeah, He's yeah. just this avatar of like a beer and, and you know, you're having a back and forth with them. But it's good. Like, you know, we, we have a lot of interaction on Twitter because we just like are on it and we're constant, we're consistent with it. And, you know, we'll sponsor something silly that's on Twitter. Um I could also see myself sitting at the end of a bar drinking a Kenwood on Twitter just firing. Yeah, just seeds. yeah, just looking at <laughs> scrolling, scrolling. And but it, you know, it, it Instagram's a little bit different where you yeah. wanna be polished up, we wanna be buttoned up. You wanna show people that, look, this is how we look, and we're not this, like, you know, by the wayside beer company that doesn't know what we're doing. It's like, this is professionally done. We have people that, you know, cost money that are doing this. Like, it's it's really, um, it, it's weird. As you learn about these avenues, um, you learn how to kind of dive into them. And then there's Facebook where it's like, you know, you just want to appeal to the 50-year-old mom. And, <laughs> like, if you can do that well, you're going to have a great Facebook crown. Uh, but, no, it's really about Instagram and, and, and Twitter and TikTok, I guess, but we have not, and we can't dive into TikTok. It's hard. I feel like the, I would, I would consider, and I don't want Two Robbers to take this wrong, but I would consider Kenwood an Instagram company and Two Robbers a TikTok company. <laughs> I, I, don't, I don't know why it just kind of sees me like that. Yeah, and it, I mean, like, it's it's weird because you like see TikTok and its popularity, and like yeah. you want to be on it. Like, damn, we can, we want to do this, 
But the worst thing to do is hop on a platform that you don't do well or you don't know how to use. Know anything about? Then you just embarrass and yourself. And you look bad. Yeah. Like the same thing you're doing. Everything that you guys put out is quality. Everything was right, consistent right. and good. We don't want to do that. Exactly what you're saying. Like it, you're uniform across everything. Yeah, because if you end up putting out TikToks that are like low quality and everyone like can tell that this isn't paying a paid any attention to, like that reflects on the company, you know? Mm -hmm. Because there's a whole demo on TikTok, the Gen Z demo, that's the only time they're gonna see you is when they're scrolling TikTok. Yeah. So if they see you in a light that is like super weird and like awkward then that's their first impression of you. Yeah. That's a bad, bad place to be. So, you know, you, you try to stay where you're strong. You try to stay in the avenues that you know. Um, but, like, you have to evolve, you know? And, and, like, will there be an evolution to another social media company in five to ten years? Maybe. Maybe, probably. And, like, it's scary because, like, if you're not on it, you could be missing missing the boat. Um, but you have to be on it in the correct in the correct way. So I'm it's like, the choir here. That's, right, that's yeah, so, hey. job right here. and it's like, it, if you're on it in the right way, then, then you're in a good spot. Um, but you know, you just try to learn, learn and look at other companies and see who's doing it well and, and you know, kind of go from there. Nice. So I guess, are you, you're kind of like the CEO, like what, what are the partners? kind of? Yeah. Like? Yeah. I guess. So I started the company with, uh, my, my brother, yeah. Mike and, and another partner, John O'Connor, yeah. um, JP. So we started it, and then at the end of 2022, we had some new partners come on. Um, they're great. They believe in the brand, and they want to get involved. Nice. So we've had, we have seven partners total now. Um, I'm day-to-day. -day. We have a rep day-to-day, -day, Andrew. Um, and then our partners that are involved, um, a few of them are, you know, day-to-day-ish like they're they're heavily involved but they have other jobs so they're not fully involved mm -hmm. then we have a couple of guys that aren't as much involved but everyone that has interest in kenwood um you know they can tell you where they can buy their closest kenwood like they're all very much invested to it um which is amazing because there is some people and companies that start have silent partners and that's great but we have people that are all heavily invested and interested in how Kenwood performs, not just monetarily, but because it's like what they wanted to be involved in and what they believed in. Are the other partners, are they, do they have a beer background or are you the only one with a beer background? Um, I'm the only one with a corporate beer background. Okay. Yeah. Everyone else has different backgrounds, yeah. uh, some financial, some sales, some, a little bit of everything. But because you're not brewing the beer, it's almost less important. Like the sales and every, like you have the sales and then they can kind of run the business aspects. Yeah. Them. Yeah. And it, it's cool <laughs> because, um, you know, when you, when you start this thing and your head's always down in it, yeah. like you tend to just be like on one path. Mm -hmm. So when our, our new partners came in, like they kind of open your eyes to a lot of different opportunities and, and ways to go about business. And, you know, as long as you're not stubborn and you listen to people, like a lot of it is really, really good and helpful. So our new partners and, and even our, our, my brother and, and, and JP, like, so much good advice, so much good insight, things that I listen to all the time. Yeah. Yeah. I, I usually make the final decisions on a lot of things. And, um, you know, I'm still in the market the most and, and talking to the wholesalers and, and reaching out to new markets. Uh, but, you know, everything that I that we talk about in our meetings with whomever, like it's all super important because yeah. you can know as much as you think you know about the beer business. Uh, but sometimes it's not a beer decision. It's a business decision or it's a or it's a sales decision. So, you know, the partners are just integral in, in, in anyone's business. But with ours, like, we chose really, really good partners, and, and we're super happy with it. Cool. I think it, I mean, 
you obviously get a lot from your partners, but I think the fact that you have so much experience at all these other, you know, breweries and distributors in the city, yeah. I think is very cool. You probably, you know, when you came up, you saw all these different angles, how all the different businesses operated. <clears throat> I'm sure it was very similar, but you kind of pick stuff up as you went. Yeah, it is. It's so helpful. And like, even, so even when I was like 19 or 20, I interned for Evil Genius. Like, <laughs> it's, yeah, this was 10, it was like one of their first years in business. Yeah. I was just an intern for the Luke and Trevor who yeah. started it. It was like me and them, like going have like spreadsheets. I mean, they graduated. Did they go to Villanova or St. Joe's? They went to Villanova. I went to okay. St. Joe's, but they took me on. Yeah. Um, so they went to Villanova and they, it was like two years out of their MBA and they yeah. were starting Evil Genius and I was just an intern. So we learned a little bit then, but I was, I met up with Luke uh, a month ago to talk about things about wholesalers and new states and yeah. distribution. Mm -hmm. So like you learn a lot. But when you have those connections that you can reach out to across states, you and when you were 18, it's, it's, it's freaking amazing. And, you know, conversations that I've had in the last month uh, in trying to find new wholesalers in different states, I've talked to people in, you know, New Jersey and Massachusetts, Connecticut, uh, New York, Maryland. Like you find about all these people that you just have this Rolodex of because, you know, you start when you're however old and you talk to these people. Then as everyone goes their separate ways, Eventually, like, it's a small community, you know, like, even though, you know, it takes X amount of time to drive to New England, we know people there because we were together in, in some role. So it, it's cool. Like, you learn a lot, but like, you end up connecting with people that, you, you know, you had a beer with them once and now you talk to them a couple times per year. It's, it's pretty cool. cool. It's a really, obviously, an awesome community to be involved with. Nice. So, uh, I guess any big plans? I mean, you guys are putting out maybe new, some new flavors and just keep, kind of expanding out um, yeah man that's a, that's a great question now as we turn the calendar it's it's interesting man like where, do, where do you see kenwood end of this year you know a couple years from now? yeah like i by the end of this year i really hope we're established in maryland new jersey um all of new jersey so north and south and central yeah, yeah. Maybe DC, Virginia. Like I hope we have a presence there, not just like one or two spots. Um, that's the goal to have like you know a few other wholesalers setting beer out of just PA. And I think that's like your brand is so memorable that like when I leave Philadelphia and I see it in these other states, it's like I feel like I'm like still connected to it, and it feels yeah, like the brand yeah, is like be. still with me. It's kind of like how Victory has Golden Muggy, yeah, right? Like it if you with everybody all over everybody, the yeah, and that's I mean that's a beer that can go international if they wanted to yeah so right like if we, we want to try to do that we want to go to more states we want to go to more cities you like the again the population density of places like philly you can go there almost anywhere um so by the end of the year that's the goal to have a few more wholesalers on board that we can you know expand with and then you know we just want to keep growing from there hopefully we have a new variant that we can push out as well um and you know we want to be in more bars in philly still like we're in a lot of bars, we're in a lot of beer stores, we're in a lot of grocery stores. But like we want to be, you know, the goal from day one was to be like how Budweiser is to St. Louis. We want to be like that to Philadelphia. You know, if you ever go to St. Louis, there's not much there. <laughs> there's the Arch and then there's Anheuser-Busch. Um, 
it's i mean paint the town red like it's it's crazy i mean there's yeah there's budweiser everywhere every every bar has banned like it's it's amazing to see what they've done they had a 200 year head start whatever (laughs) um but like that's what we want to be we want to own our home market because if you can't own your home market and you're just focusing on other markets then you're going to lose here yeah if you focus on your home market everything else kind of everything kind of falls in place yeah so we like we want every bar, you know, the goal is every bar in Philly that has Kenwood. And, and we think we're in a good spot now where we can get on tap at most bars in Philly and it's going to pull well. It's not going to sit on a draft line and, and not pull. Like when you first start, you worry about that, right? Because yeah, there's a lot of no one knows your beer. A lot of the population would drink and most, most people are going to be drinking this beer. Yeah. Yeah. And again, if, if it's brewed in Philly, people will, will drink it. So we want to grow Philly like to the point where you can't go a, a neighborhood and not have a few bars with Kenwood. We want to go to new states, go to new towns, go to new cities, um, and hopefully have a variant or two out by the end of the year. Nice. So that's well, it's it's some lofty goals, and you know it's going to take a lot of work. But you know you get you don't get in this to be lazy. You get in this to just keep keep going. So that's that's a point. My vote's for lime. Bud Light lime is I love Bud Light lime. I've said it before. In the so past. many people do. It's so <laughs> I don't I don't. But like there is this like huge market. For lime beers, and we yes, saw a lot is. of them last summer do really well. Yeah, so I mean that's my vote. But uh, so when Kenwood Lime comes out, come back here. <laughs> well, we'll have the official, you know, press <laughs> release really here yeah. in the, in this thing. Yeah, yeah I, look, Lime has a space, and doesn't matter what I like; matters what the market likes. That's that's what's more exactly. important. Exactly. But you know, obviously, I do love Kenwood. So do I. Um, yeah. So I guess uh, where can we find you guys online? So at Kenwood Beer. At Kenwood Beer on social. Uh, Kenwoodbeer.com for our website. Has the beer finder on there. Has the Kenny finder always updated and merch, merch shop there. Merch, merch, Kenny finder. Stuff. This stuff everything incredible. we can we can give we can spare a couple shirts cool. to you guys. Should have had them with me tonight. Um, and then yeah, find us at your local beer distributor, grocery store, favorite bar. We always say if they don't have Kenny, ask for it, and they will love you even more. Nice. So, nice. yes, um, but yeah, KenwoodBeer.com and at KenwoodBeer. Awesome. Uh, yeah, and then you can find us at that and-